Father, we give you thanks for this wonderful day. Lord, it's just a beautiful day today. It's great to be back here in your presence with, uh, with your saints. Lord, to be sharing this wonderful time of study of your word, because your word just encourages, Lord. It builds us up. Lord, and when we're in a world that's got so many things that are out there breaking us down, everything from the foods we eat to some of the people we deal with in our lives, Lord, we, we need you. We need your presence. We need your encouragement. We need you to build us up. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. We welcome you here today. And we ask your wisdom here, your word, and your anointing. We invite you here, Holy Spirit. You are totally welcome in this place. Satan, you're not welcome in this place. We bind every spirit, not of the Holy Spirit, every, every, <clears throat> every spirit, every principality, every evil spirit in high place, every wicked spirit in high places. We bind you up and off. We call ourselves loose. You're bound. You're cast out. And we're free in the name of Jesus. We just pray right now that angels come and just surround this place, ministering angels that will minister to us peace and tranquility. And Father, we just ask that the peace of the Lord come down in this place right now, that it fill us, Lord, the peace that surpasses all understanding. We bind to ourselves a spirit of praise and worship, and we give you all the glory, all the thanks, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. What we're going to do is uh, we're going we're gonna to do it Bible study style. I really enjoyed last week, last week in our upper room study over at Sandy's. We had a great time. And uh, those of you who missed that podcast are uh, welcome to visit uh, the website and pick it up. It really was a great time. I want you to open your Bibles, if you will, to 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 26. While you're there, uh, put a finger there and go to the book of Habakkuk. That's Habakkuk chapter 2. And also go to the book of Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. So that's 2 Chronicles 26, Habakkuk chapter 2, and Joshua chapter 3. We'll be making a brief stop uh, at uh, Joshua chapter 5 later on, but we can, we can wait till we get there. Right? And D, since, uh, since you didn't read last week, <laughs> why don't you read 2 Chronicles verse 26 for us, please. As he continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding through the vision of God, and as long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. Amen. Amen. So have you, have you ever had a great idea and just... I can't do that. You know, I, I heard a man speak once and he said, if you have a great idea or if you have an idea and you say, somebody should do something about this and you don't do it, you know what? You've probably missed one of your callings in life. So the next time you have an idea, say, Lord, is that you? It probably is. If you're a believer, if you're anointed and you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, if you're a spirit-filled, God-believing Christian, guess what? Your, your ideas aren't just yours. If we have the mind of Christ, if our minds are renewed, okay, because the Bible says that, that our minds are continuously renewed by the Spirit of God, right? Our, our spirit is immediately redeemed, and then the process of our our soul redemption or our mind, will, and emotions is a, a, a process that takes place in our life all the way until the day that we meet Jesus Christ. Amen? So what we have to do is we have to stay in touch with God. Because why? Well, because it says it right here. And he continued to seek God. You see, in the days of, in the days of Hezekiah, of, of uh, of uh, what's this guy's name? <laughs> In the days of Zechariah, there we go. Who <laughs> and Zechariah had understanding, but what they were talking about here was a king, and through the visions of God. So understand, your visions are not necessarily of you; they're of God. And as long as as he sought, as long as you wake up every morning, Lord, what is it that you would have me do? Where would you have me go? What would you have me do this day? Then guess what? God prospered him. Prosperity in God's language does not necessarily mean financial. Okay, a lot of us measure, measure you know, our, ourselves by what we have, 
What kind of car do you drive? What kind of job do you have? You know, how many jobs you got? How many, you know, how many, how many houses do you have? Where do you vacation? What kind of clothes is that? What's that ring on your finger? What's that, you know, what, all of that. And none of that matters. God wants to prosper you in so many different ways than just in the financial. Don't you understand? You know, you're a king's kid. Okay? The Bible says that you're a king's kid. God has no grandchildren. God only has sons and daughters. And if he's the king of kings and lord of lords, then you're the princess of princesses and the prince of princes. Amen? So you need to understand that royalty doesn't worry about finances. Royalty doesn't worry about finances. Royalty just expects it. Don't you understand? Royalty expects finances. Royalty doesn't come in and say, can we afford caviar today? Can we? Can we afford filet mignon? Oh, gosh. Oh, oh. Do we still have the servants? No. They expect filet mignon. They expect, now I'm not giving you this 21st century prosperity gospel now. God doesn't want to be your sugar daddy. Okay, I'm not telling you that you can sit there and if you give enough and if you pray enough and if you believe enough, God's just going to drop it out of the sky and, and all of a sudden you're going to have three Mercedes Benz and, 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 and three houses and your business is just going to be in the multi-millions. That's not what I'm saying. My scripture says that if you seek first the kingdom of God, all things, all these things will be given unto you. All, not some, not a few, not a couple, all these things. Understand here what it says in 2 Chronicles 26, 5. God prospered him as long as he did what? As long as he sought, 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 seek, find. God, where are you? Where are you? I'm looking. I'm all the time looking around. God, where are you? Where can I find? Wow, I see God in that. I see God in this. I see God in that. I have a friend who was just telling me tonight before the Bible study. He was saying, you know, I was at work and I was, and I was worried about, you know, how I was going to do this. My boss had asked me to do something pretty complicated. And I was, I was worried about, you know, how I was going to do it. And I got in there and, and I said, well, God, this is, this is on you. And I said, there you go, bro. That's great. And he says, and you know, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. He said, I started doing the research. And by the end of the day, I had graphs and papers and charts and everything else. And I said, see, that's God, dude. That's God working. God wants to be a part of everything. God wants to be a part of your life. God wants to be a part of your sleep. God wants to be a part of your relationship with your friends, your family, your wife, your kids, with him. God wants to be everything to you. He loves you so much that he wants to be involved in all of your life. The only reason that we don't want God involved in our lives is because people have burned us. Think about that for a minute. Whenever you've really, really given in to somebody, when you've really let yourself go, when you've really just said, you know what, I, I give up, I'm all yours. To a human being, they've hurt you, haven't they? They've let you down. They've, they've not met up to your standard. They've not met up to your, your expectations. See, and that's the problem that we have as people submitting to God because we put God down to our level. But my God says that my ways are so high above your ways. Amen? It doesn't matter because he's an entirely different idea. God's never going to let you down. God's never going to sell you out. God's never going to just leave you hanging. Amen? Now, God gives us some instructions. When God gives us a, a vision God gives us visions. It was, uh, it was, oh, let's see, we're in 2008 now. It was in 1997. I had uh, recently gotten saved. Didn't know what I was going to do. I had come from a life of, uh, of uh, crazy income and crazy living and, and everything else. I'm a dropout of high school. I had no education. I have no background whatsoever. And I said, God, I'm, I, I love you and, and I want to serve you, but I don't know what I'm going to do. What are you going to do? And God introduced me to this thing called the Internet. And you know, the Internet, that was the time where everybody was going through their dot, their dot com thing. If you had a dot com at the end, man, it was, you know, you could write the, you could write your dot com vision on the back of a napkin and bam, you'd have 50 billion dollars, you know, and, and people were doing that. 
I mean, the amounts of money, <coughs> the amounts of money that were spent on the internet and those crazy ideas at that time were insane. Well, I had my crazy idea. And, uh, but my crazy idea, according to men, was a great idea from God. And, and I put that together and, and it, 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 it turned into a, a, a great business. It, it brought me back to my roots, if you will. Being blind, I had never really uh, understood the blind community because I was born and raised away from most blind people. So I never really had an idea of what blind people faced um, I knew what I faced, and of course, you know, my problems were all mine. I was a lone ranger, you know. Do we have any lone rangers here? Anybody just says, you know, I don't want to deal with everybody else. Jesus is just you and me. For me, it was, a, it was a thing where this product that I did put me in a position where God could really minister to my heart. And he started showing me the heart he had for his people, for his creation, for blind folks. And laid a vision on my heart for a technology that, at the time, the technology, the, the, the technology leader to make computers speak for blind people was about 1100 bucks. And through a, a various processes, um, I actually got to manufacture a product that worked just like that. But we were able to sell it for 399 bucks. So we brought the price down, and then all of a sudden, it got to the point where we could sell that product for $24.95 a month instead of $399 or $499. So I said, wow, that's great. So one day, I'm at a conference, and the Lord said to me, I want you to give away a million dollars in software. I said, Lord, I don't have a million dollars. What are you talking about? The Lord said, I do. You know, but you have to have the vision. You see, when, I, when I, first, I first got the idea, when God gave me the idea, it's interesting because I, I went to a church and, and, and God had been laying, laying these, these ideas on my heart. And, and you know, people that know me that, that, that would hear this story later, they say, oh, yeah, dude, you're an entrepreneur, though. You know, you, you're one of those people that, you know, that has ideas and, and ideas and ideas. And they're right. I've been running my own business since I was 13 years old in one capacity or another. And, uh, and, and they're right, I am a bit of an entrepreneur, but that doesn't mean anything. Anybody that is, that is spirit-filled and that is spirit-led can have a great idea because the great ideas don't come from you anyway. You see, the whole idea isn't, God doesn't use ability, y'all. God uses availability. Are you available today? Are you available to God? Say, God, I'm available. I'm available to do what you want me to do, to, to go where you want me to go. But see, be ready. Be ready for when you say that because the challenges are going to come. So this is what you got to do. Turn to Habakkuk chapter 2. And Sandy, why don't you read to me, read Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 for me, please. And the Lord gave me an answer and said... Put the vision in writing and make it clear on stones so that the reader may go quickly. And the Lord gave me an answer. Well, here, obviously, we're looking at a person where they just, where they just kind of going around saying, well, you know, God gave me an idea, but, you know, I, I, think, I, I think I'm going to do this, and I think I'm going to do that, and I think I'm going to do that. Or were they, Lord, what do you want me to do, Father? You've given me this idea. You've given me a vision. You know, where do you want me to go? It, that, that sounds like this type of person right here. Habakkuk was a, was a prophet. And, and he's what they call one of the minor prophets. I don't understand that whole term, man. What is a minor prophet anyway? A prophet is a prophet. I don't know what a major prophet or a minor prophet is. you know. But Habakkuk was a very a, a visionary. And, and really, one of the things that, uh, one of the things that Habakkuk was, uh, was famous for was a, a talk that he had with, with God that said, well, how long are you gonna? How long are you gonna let these people do this stuff? How long are you gonna sit here and let them be as debaucherous as they are? You see, the the land of, of of Israel had been really misbehaving, and Habakkuk was kind of frustrated about that. Sounds kind of like America today, you know. Lord, how long are you gonna let 
50 million babies die in abortions. How long are you going to allow people to continue to be strung out on drugs and be questioning what marriage is? How long, Lord? So God says, don't worry, Habakkuk. I got it, man. I got it. I'm going to take care of it. And, and Habakkuk said, oh yeah, what are you going to do? God said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give them into the hands of their enemies. He said, no, God, you're not going to do that. He said, oh yeah, see, I told you I was going to do something. Now you're telling me I'm not going to do it. And, you know, it's interesting how the United States right now, one of the most, one of the most powerful nations in the world. Have you looked at the dollar lately, folks? It's, it's going down. It's going down very quickly. Have you looked at the housing market, folks? Have you looked at how our government is trying to stimulate the economy? Okay, by sending out 100 billion, with a B, dollars in checks to taxpayers. They're trying to stimulate the economy. That's not going to work. What this country needs is a, a, a spirit-filled, Bible-believing president. A man who's submitted to the Lord God and knows that what this country needs is a miracle. But no, we think that our ways are going to do it. We're going to send people a check. And that's going to take us out of problems. Well, guess what? It's not. It's going to just create more inflation. Because you know what they do to get those checks out? They just print more money. And they put it out. And that creates inflation. And that's an economics lesson that I'm not going to go into here. But the whole idea is right here. And the Lord gave me an answer. And the Lord gave me an answer. Which means that God and I were having a conversation. And said, put the vision in writing. That's step one. Put the vision in writing. God gives you a vision. God gives you an idea. Put it in writing. Write it down. Write a business plan. I don't care if you've never written a business plan. You don't need to be a Harvard graduate. You don't need to do anything like that. All you need to do is write it. You see, what, what happens? Well, the, the scripture, it says that you need to write the scripture on the doorposts of your house. You need to write the scripture on your hand. You need to write it on your forehead. You ever seen the, 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 the real, um, the, real the, 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 the Hasidic Jews, how they wear the little box on the forehead with the, and the scripture written on it and stuff? God really puts a lot of stock in writing a vision. I mean, after all, what are we looking at? Are we looking at the written word of God? The written word has been encouraging man for years and years. The Declaration of Independence. The Declaration of Written Word. This is what, we're not going to take this anymore. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That every man is created equal, yada, yada, yada. And, but how do we know this? Because it's written. It's written. You need to write it. People now... 200 and some odd years later, no, 300 years later actually, know exactly what that document said and what the vision for this country is. And I don't care what any, how, 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 how any Supreme Court judge tries to, to, to decide, well, the Constitution means this or that. These are roadmaps, folks. These are visions that God gave to the founders of this country. And the same kind of visions he's going to give you when he wants to take you out of where you're at and bring you into a place of glory to do his work. Understand, I'm not telling you tomorrow to quit your job and go and open up a business. I am telling you, though, that when you trust God for what you need in your life, regardless of what it is, when you trust God, God is not going to let you down. God isn't going to play you for a sucker. God's not going to play you for a fool. God is never going to tell you to do this and then do that. So what I'm saying is, if you have an idea, if you have a vision, if you really believe that God is calling you to do something, hey, write it down. Write it down. Right? And make it clear. Make it clear. And here it says, make it clear on stones. Now, this is the, this is the interesting thing in business planning, okay? 
Um, a lot of people look at this, this area here about making it clear on stones and believe that it's, oh, it's write it on tablets and, 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 you know, because at that time they didn't have paper. And they had papyrus way back, way, way back. So this is not necessarily a write it on tablets type of deal. I really believe that making it clear, okay, on stones is making what we call in business milestones. Anybody heard of a milestone in business? Okay, a milestone is where you decide, okay, this is the vision. This is my ultimate goal. My ultimate goal is to create this. But to get to that, God, what do you want me to do? And God is going to minister to you and say, well, you're going to do this, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do that, and you're going to do that. And that way, once you write it and you make your milestones, now you have a plan to go with, right? Because if not, you're just kind of floating out there. How many of us have gotten a word from the Lord and then said, okay, God, and gone running? And God says, hey, wait up! This is where these, these stones or these milestones are so important so that the, so that the reader may go quickly. Go quickly. If, you, if God is telling you, this is what I want you to do, and I want you to do this, and I want you to do that, and I want you to do the other, God's not telling you to think about it. God's not telling you to contemplate on it. God's telling you to go. Go and do what God tells you to do. But make sure that it's God. We've studied here about hearing God's voice. So by now, we should be beyond the, well, I don't know if God's talking to me. I don't know, I hear so many voices, I'm confused. Well, if you're confused, get the Bible study. <laughs> get the Bible study. You'll learn all about how to hear God's voice and how to know when God is talking to you or when the enemy is going to talk to you. God is never going to tell you, I'm going to give you a million dollars and I'm going to give you a big house and I'm going to give you a Cadillac and I'm going to give you a new girlfriend and you got to leave your husband because you got a new business to take care of. And God's never going to do any of that. Why? Because that's all flesh, man. That's all flesh. God, God is going to seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be given to you. Not because you did something, but because you were seeking the kingdom of God. You see what I'm saying? All you got to do to get your blessing is to seek the kingdom of God and be obedient to what he tells you. So, Sean, why don't you read Habakkuk 2, verse 3. For the vision is still for the fixed time, and it is moving quickly to the end, and it will not be false. Even if it is slow in coming, go on waiting for it, because it will certainly come, and it will not be kept back. Now this is interesting to me, because, see... For me, for example, God, is, God has shown me things in my own business. And, I, and I, I run my own business every day. And I tell people, they say, well, what, what makes you successful or unsuccessful? I say, well, I mean, I don't really know. Successful, I guess I got the bills paid and enough money at the end of the month. So I guess I'm successful if you look at it that way. I don't measure success that way anymore. I used to. I used to be the kind of person that wear that American Express Platinum right across the chest. Look what I have. Look at me. In my 20s with an American Express Platinum, look at me. I'm so cool. I'm so awesome. I have a beautiful car. Look, look, and look at my American Express Platinum. By the way, did I mention I had an American Express Platinum? It was so stupid, man. It was so stupid. I mean, here, here is this little card that you pay 300 bucks a year just to have the card. Aren't we stupid? I mean, I know, I know, I know I was. So if, 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 if you guys aren't as stupid as me, God bless you. You guys got more wisdom than I had at that time. Um, but the, the thing is here that it's so important that we keep our eyes on the prize. Okay, and we keep our minds focused and our hearts focused on what God told us. For the vision is still for the fixed time, which means that it's, not, it's a fixed time. It's a fixed time. It's not a flexible time. It doesn't mean that God's going to say, oh, here's the vision. Oh, no, 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 no. A little further down now. God's not going to wave a carrot on a stick. 
You're not running a greyhound race here. You know how they do in the greyhound races where they put the little rabbit at the track and the greyhounds run around and they're chasing that stupid little rabbit and you're like, I can't believe these dogs, man. They're so dumb. They're chasing this rabbit, you know, or the, the carrot on a stick, right? No. God's vision is set for a fixed time. God told me that he wanted me to do something. God told me that he wanted me to give away a million dollars in software. I had no idea what God was talking about. But hey, it's his million bucks. Because <laughs> I certainly didn't have it. You know, sometimes, it's interesting, sometimes if we had the million dollars, we would run out and instead of praying about it, if we were really kind of one of these name it and claim it and, you know, and, and charismaniac people, we just give the million dollars. Here, God, here, I'm going to give it to the Lord. And the Lord said, well, wait a minute. Yeah, I didn't tell you to give your million dollars. I said, I want you to give away a million dollars in software. So we have to wait on God. And it is moving quickly to the end. And it will not be false. This is another problem that most people have when they come up with an idea, especially when times get tough. And you know who does it? The ones who are the closest to us, our wives, our husbands. Are you sure you heard from God? Did God really say that you were supposed to do this or that? Are you sure that God doesn't want you to go get a job? Well, sure, obviously, God doesn't want you to abandon your family. It's not like, hey, God gave me a vision, so uh, we're going to have to move to a tent, you know, or we're going to have to go live under the highway and, uh, you know, wear one of those will work for food signs uh, while God gives me this vision. No. God, God is a God of order, amen? And God isn't going to, you know, give you an idea and not share it with your spouse or put you guys out in a certain, in a certain situation. I didn't say that there won't be trials, though. There was a, there was a time uh, right after the hurricanes here in central Florida. My company was, was not doing well. It was a bad time. My daughter had just been born. I was stressed a little, <laughs> to say the least. Um, the company wasn't making a lot of money. And all of a sudden, 14 days after this beautiful little baby came, and I hadn't gotten paid <laughs> for that month, here they announced a hurricane here in central Florida where there had not been a hurricane in, oh, 40 years or so. Just my luck <laughs> that when I get here, there's a hurricane that hasn't been around for 40 years. So then we survived the hurricane, all worried about the hurricane, and, and nothing happened. Not even our electricity, our cable, our phones didn't even go out. Now, there were some people that were really devastated by that storm, so I'm certainly not making light of it. But two weeks later, another hurricane came. And see, the problem is, folks, that at that time, the way I was supplementing my income was I was doing contract work over the internet. I was doing software work over the internet, and they would pay you for a contract, and if you didn't do the work that they gave you, you would have to give all the money back. So I couldn't, in good judgment, knowing that there was another hurricane coming, in two weeks, the third, by the way, of hurricanes that hadn't been here in 40 years. I mean, come on, man, what, what are the chances of that? But there was another one, and it was coming, and I couldn't in good faith take anybody's money for a project because, hey, you know, it was not, it was, it was not right, and I knew I would probably end up having to give it back if I lost my cable connection. Now, granted, I hadn't lost my cable connection during either one of the two hurricanes before, but seeing how things were going, I just figured, well, it would just be my luck <laughs> if during this time. And the problem was that that was in September. In September was the last contracts of the year. They're given out quarterly. So the next time that contracts were going to be given out was January. So I was literally moneyless with four kids at the time. One of those was a brand new baby with formula and diapers and all that stuff and had no idea where income was going to go. But God gave me a vision, man. And I have a praying wife. And, and I'll tell you that at, at times during that, that frustration, she was more of an encouragement. She didn't, uh, why don't you just curse God and die? She wasn't that kind of a wife. She was the kind of wife that said, you know, God gave you a promise, Mikey, and you need to really stand on that. And I'm going to pray for you that God will strengthen you. And I'm going to believe that God knows exactly what's going on. 
And God knows exactly where we're at. So after the third hurricane, money ran out. We were blessed to get to be one of these people that got these food stamps. And I'm not kidding, folks. We, at the time, my parents-in-law were living with us. So it was, it was us and the kids and the parents-in-law. And it was crazy. My parents-in-law retired. We got, I think it was like $600 or $650 or something in food stamps. Well, as you know, $650 in food stamps doesn't go very far for three months. But by God, it did. It was still December. We were still using that card. I don't know how it happened. I don't know because I would make a little bit of money here or a little bit of money there doing some computer work here or that or a little consulting. Or even the company started picking up again and, and, and would pay me a little bit here, a little bit there. It, was, it wasn't great. It wasn't everything I wanted. But, it, but looking back, you know what? My God provided for all my needs. My God shall provide for all my needs, not my wants. There are times where God's going to give you your wants. But let me tell you, any wants God gives you is icing on the cake. God provides for your needs. So even if it's slow in coming, even if it's slow in coming, Go on waiting. And then there's my favorite thing in the Bible, the semicolon. <laughs> Go on waiting for it. The semicolon means what? Time passes, right? Why? Because it will certainly come. It will not be kept back. Now, this is an important thing. It will not be kept back. People think this is just more encouraging. No. That's, not, that, that's actually a word of warning. Don't, don't forsake the vision of God. It will not be kept back. Do you know that God is watching over his word to perform it? He will do what he says he's going to do. He has sworn on himself because there's nothing greater in the universe. And he will do it. Let me tell you, he wiped out everybody that came out of Egypt because they did not catch the vision. They grumbled and complained. It's not coming along, God gave me a vision. I'm going to die, but God gave me a vision. I got to do it. No. No. God gave me a vision, and hallelujah, it's tough. But man, I'm going to believe that God gave it to me, and I'm going to have people around me that are going to encourage me. That's why the scripture says to bear one another's burdens. When you're having a problem, when you're not... When, when your vision is low or your vision is, is, is not what it should be in that degree, go to a brother, go to a sister, say, hey man, I'm, I'm having a little trouble today. Will you encourage me? Will you pray for me? This is what I'm believing. This is a problem. And it's not so that that brother or sister goes and say, oh, we got to pray for so-and-so because, you know, they have this problem. That's not what I'm talking about. If a brother or sister comes to you and says, hey, can you pray for me? Pray for them and that's it. Forget it. You're a vessel. You're not supposed to contemplate over that prayer. Oh, wow. I was praying for Henry today. I wonder what's really going on with Henry. I wonder if Henry's doing this. And I went, That's not your business. If Henry comes or Mikey comes and says, I need some prayer, then pray. Be used of God to encourage. And that's it. Look at Moses. There was a point where Moses couldn't do it anymore. He couldn't lift his hands. The Israelites realized that when Moses raised his hands, they were victorious in battle. So what happened? Well, they came along and raised his hands. And as they raised his hands, they started winning the battle again. So you see, what does that show us? Remember, typology. Typology. We're to bear one another's burdens. Amen? And that's why if God gives you a vision, don't step out of it. Because it will be. It will be. It will come. There's no way that God is going to give you a vision and because you couldn't do it, it's going to die on the vine. If it's God's will, who are you or I to not allow God to fulfill His will? If He can't use you and He can't use me, He's going to keep doing it until He finds somebody that's willing to make a stand for the vision He gives them. So this is extremely important because God will not just give you a vision today and tomorrow just say, hey, you know, here it is. Here's the vision I gave you yesterday. It's done. You're a millionaire now. Your business is successful. People are blessed. Everything's great. Now go retire to Tahiti. No. 
It's not going to happen. I've been toiling with our business for seven years. We're in our seventh year. But let me go back. Last year, our technology was delivered to people through uh, uh, CDs. And I had always got it, always had, had it in my spirit that I wanted to have a product that would be delivered by the internet. It would be able to be small enough to be just given to people over the internet within a couple of seconds. And there's this great new invention out there called Ajax or Web 2.0. And without getting too technical, it allows people to serve up applications through a server on the internet. It's called technology or software on the cloud and the cloud being the internet, right? So last year, I woke up in the morning with this idea of how to put our software on the cloud. And folks, you got to understand, I'm not a programmer. I called up my programmer and I said, hey, Matt, what if we did blah, 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 and I just spewed out some stuff that to this day I don't remember. And he says, yeah, dude, we can do that. So he wrote it up and it was a little clunky. And I went to bed that night and I had another dream. And I woke up and I said, hey, Matt, the Lord told me, and Matt's a believer, um, a majority of the people in our company are believers, and, uh, and those that aren't are quickly becoming. <laughs> Amen. There's nothing cooler than sitting around and saying to your, your non-believing board members, hey, man, watch God show off. And then, and then, and then I've, I've seen them. I've seen them. They, they've sat there and they've said to me, it's by the grace of God that we're still here. And it's true. If you looked at our balance sheet, it's ridiculous. We should have been dead years ago. So I told Matt, I said, hey, Matt, you know, why don't you do this and this and this? He said, it worked. And we had a version of the software that you could walk up to any computer and type in a web address and within 30 to 40 seconds that computer would be talking from anywhere on the planet. Do you see where this is going? God told me five years ago that he wanted me to give away a million dollars in software. If I had had a million dollars burning a hole in my pocket, I said, here, God, let's go buy a million dollars in CDs and send them out to people. And no, what God did was he gave me a vision and an idea for technology that could be delivered over the Internet. Last week, we announced what we call the Accessibility is a Right Foundation. And it's a non-for-profit organization that will allow millions and millions of blind people all over the planet to download this software and use it absolutely free. No cost whatsoever. My business advisors look at the plan and say, you know, this is crazy, but it works. You know, there's a little company called Google that did kind of a similar idea. And uh, Google's just this little itty bitty company. <laughs> worth about 600 and some odd dollars a share at my last check. But the ideas that God has given me and the favor, the favor that God has fostered for our company in the industry, and it's all a vision, folks. I am not qualified to be doing what I am doing on a daily basis. I am not qualified. But God, through His grace, has done it, has allowed me to continue and go forward and do things that I would have never, ever thought that I was going to be doing. So that is what I mean when I tell you God gives you a vision and stick with it because it's not going to not be done. The Word says it certainly will come. It will come. It will come. It will not be held back. There's nothing that you or I can do to hold back the vision of God. Moses got everybody out of Egypt and they start traveling through and they get to the promised land. The book of Joshua says it best. Let's go to Joshua chapter 3. And D, why don't you read verse 13 for me. And it shall come about when the soles of the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, and the waters which are flowing down from above shall stand in one heap. Now, you guys remember, let's, let's, let's set the scene here. You remember when, when, when the Israelites, when they, left, when they left Egypt, 
and the Red Sea kind of parted in front of them and they start, They all walked across the Red Sea and then the Egyptian army came to try and get them and they all drowned. Okay, so here God does it again. Now Moses has died and the 40 years have come to pass and now they're getting ready to come into the promised land. So they've got to cross the Jordan. Remember typology, typology, typology. What is the Jordan? Jordan actually means judgment. Okay, that's the actual interpretation of the word judgment. So what happens? The priests, they say, well, if you're going to cross into your promised land, Jesus has to make a way for you to get into the promised land. So here we've got the, the priests coming across the Jordan. God has opened the Jordan so that the priests can walk, walk across with the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, and the Ark and the Covenant, remember, everything in the Old Testament is a type and shadow of the New Testament. Let's talk about the ark for a minute. At that time, there was no temple, of course. They would have the tent, you know, and that would be the, uh, the tabernacle. And in the center of the tabernacle, in the Holy of Holies, would be the Ark of the Covenant. And it was a little box. A little box about yay big and yay big like this. Okay, it was not a very huge box. But in that box, that, that, that box represented Christ. But let's talk about first what it represented to them. First and foremost, in that box you had three things, okay, that they would hold holy. They would have, they had manna, they had the rod, the rod that Aaron had that budded. Remember that? The staff that he had that budded. And then they had the stone tablets of the law, okay, that Moses brought down from the mountain with him. Remember when they had the whole golden calf thing going on and, and all of that. So, what, what did these mean to the Old Testament Jewish nation? Well, of course, the manna in the bowl, it was to remind them how God sustained them through the wilderness and to remind them that God would do it again. But because of their own hard-headedness, you know, that they, he, kept them in the, uh, <laughs> he kept them in the desert for 40 years. So the, the manna was there so that they wouldn't forget that. Right? Well, the, the staff, of course, well, the staff is the judgment of God. That staff was there to show them how God was going to rule the nation of Israel with a firm staff. And of course, well, the law needs no explanation. Here are the rules you're going to live by. See, at that time, there was only the law. People say, man, God was, 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 was hardcore, man. He would wipe out 30, 40, 50,000 with a plague at one time. Yeah, there was no mercy at that time. There was no grace at that time. Not because God didn't have it, but because they didn't want it. They didn't want it. They didn't want to ask God for forgiveness. Oh, no. They wanted rules and regulations and laws. And God, tell us how to do it. And the whole idea behind the law was to show to the children of Israel that they couldn't do it. That they needed God's grace. That they needed God's mercy. So, let's fast forward. Jesus said, when he took the wine and he took the bread, he said, this is a new covenant in my blood. Okay? So going back to now when we look at the, at the Ark of the Covenant, it means something different. The manna. Well, the, the manna was the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Amen? The manna was that time, it was bread from heaven. Well, Jesus was our bread from heaven that gave us eternal life. Amen? Amen. You, see, you see how this all comes together? The, the staff, the staff, well, let's look at the staff. The, the scripture says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The staff shows leadership. It shows somebody's got to be the boss. Jesus is the good shepherd. You understand? The budding of the rod. Okay, well, that shows something that died, a branch that died, because the rod was actually a, a piece of wood, right? But it came back to life. Well, who does that remind us of? Jesus died, and how did he die? He died on a cross, on a piece of wood. And he came back to life. Amen? You see how this all comes together? And then you have the law. Well, Jesus said, I didn't come to get rid of the law. I came to fulfill it. Jesus was the law. Jesus died for every law that was ever broken. 
You understand? So you see what a celebration we have in the Ark of the Covenant? It's a covenant, man. It's a covenant. We're just praying for those folks to finally realize that this is what it all means. Amen? So whenever you, you meet someone, tell them what a great time you're having with their Messiah. Paul said that, that through our relationship with Christ, God is going to provoke the nation of Israel to jealousy so that they will seek this Messiah that we all know. So whenever you see a, a Jewish person, tell them what a great time you're having with their Messiah. Tell them, hey, we're having a, a great time with your Messiah. So here, here you've got Joshua, and they're about to cross across the Jordan, which again, it means, it means judgment, right? And the priests, when the soles of their feet touch the shore, the water just moves back. But now, as they're walking through judgment for the people, and they're leading them into the promised land, okay, they're walking ahead of them. And what happens? Well, what, 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 what happens is that, that, that the, the water moves back. They come into the land, okay, behind the Ark of the Covenant. And the scripture says, take 12 stones, a stone, each one of you, for each tribe. Weren't we talking about stones earlier? About milestones? What were those stones for? Those stones were for a representation. Whenever your children see these, these stones in the future, they mean that God took us across the Jordan. It was a trip because, you know, they, they got to Gilgal and Gilgal just said, no, no, we don't want nothing to do with you. And Gilgal just kind of gave up and they, they, they camped right there. And the people in, in, uh, in Jericho, well, they, they looked, at, they looked at, uh, at, at what was going on and they said, wow, you know, we don't want to mess with these people. But I get ahead of myself. Let's, uh, let's go, Leo. Why don't you go down to Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Go ahead and with 14. And he said, No, rather I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? Joshua's out, chilling out, you know, looking at the scene and going, Okay, we've got to get this Jericho place. And he sees the, the captain of the host. He just sees a big old dude there with a sword. And he says, well, are you for us? Are you against us? The scripture doesn't clarify if this is a vision or if everybody else can see it. It doesn't say he was with a bunch of people. So I don't know. But it is a vision, no matter what. Whether it was physical and you could see it was a real angel or it was a vision in the spirit. He saw the captain of the host. Guess who the captain of the host is? Jesus. It's not Michael. It's not Gabriel. How do we know this? Do you remember back when the angels would come to visit people and people would fall and worship them and they say, no, no, get up, get up. You know, because they weren't to be worshipped. We're not to worship angels, right? I didn't see this captain of the host say, don't worship. And Joshua, which is a representation of Yeshua. Yeshua is Jesus, okay, in the physical he is coming to the captain of the host and saying, and saying, what are, are you for us? Or are you? And of course he's for us. <laughs> if God be for you, who be against you? Amen. And this is, now the interesting thing here is that Gilgal, when they first came into their promised land, when they first came out of, out of, the, out of the desert, out of their wilderness experience, crossed through the Jordan or the, or the area of judgment, and they got there, they got into Gilgal, and Gilgal just was given into their hands. It was done. It was a done deal. Okay, and Jordan was given into their hands. The scripture says later that I have given this into your hands. But first, Gilgal just gave it, God gave it to him without any, without any trial whatsoever. Gilgal just said, you know, okay, we heard that the river over there had opened up and, and that's it. We give up. Take our stuff, please. <laughs> and, uh, but the people at, at Jericho, on the other hand, they locked themselves up in their houses. You know, rock solid. They, that's, where, uh, that's where the whole deal with uh, Rahab came to pass. And, and the, the, the whole thing of leaving the string in the window, the scarlet string. You know, Joshua sent in a couple of spies 
into Jericho to see what was going on. And the king of Jericho, he heard, uh, had, had heard about what happened with them and the, and the, uh, and the river, and, and, and he was scared. And Rahab said, well, now that I've protected you from getting basically cut up to pieces, and, and, and what she did was she sent everybody away that were looking for Joshua's spies and said they, they probably left up the road. Why don't you go look for them? And everybody ran, ran and went looking for them. So she let them down out the window uh, over the wall because she lived on the wall of Jericho. And they said, well, leave a scarlet thread at the window. And when we take this city, we won't take you or your family. You see, and what does the scarlet thread represent? Well, it represents the blood of Jesus. You understand, when you have the blood of Jesus, though a thousand may fall to your left and 10,000 may fall to your right, not a hair on your head will be hurt. This is why I tell people when they work, listen, when it's your day, man, it's your day. Don't worry about tomorrow. It's not promised to any man. And live today like you're going to go see Jesus in a heartbeat. You're going to go see him right now. So whatever you're doing, let it be what God wants you to be doing. So when you get there, and I like what you were doing back there. I just want to bring you back home and tell you. I often wonder if God does that to people that die for a little while and then come back. I wonder if God tells them, hey, I like what you were doing back there. Now, now go back to the earth and finish what I had for you. It really is a comforting thing to know that God is right there that he's gone ahead of us, that he's given us a vision, and that he's watching over that vision to make sure that it will come to pass. So the next time you have an idea, the next time you feel led of God to do something, they say sometimes, oh, a lot of people, oh, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, the Lord's will will be confirmed. Sometimes, sometimes, that actual line of scripture was actually made for when you're... Uh, when you're reprimanding somebody in the church, if somebody's doing something wrong, you bring two or three witnesses with you to point, out, point it out to them and say, hey, you need to get out of that sin. So you don't want that kind of witnessing from two or three people. You want the, the Holy Spirit to witness to you that he wants you to do what he wants you to do. And the only way, folks, that you're going to be able to do that is to stay submitted, to stay listening for God's voice. Folks, it's so important that we be spirit-led and not man-led, especially in these turbulent times that we live in right now. It's so important that we stay and listen for our master's voice. Pray for your government. Pray for your city. Pray for your family. Pray for yourselves. Okay, because these are tough times we're living in right now. Times that we need wisdom and we definitely, more than ever, need direction from the Lord. But the good news is that he's coming back soon. Amen? I can't think of a better way to finish off a study than that. Father, we give you thanks and praise, Lord, for your word tonight, Lord. Lord, we give you thanks because we know that, that your word, your scripture just gives us, gives us hope. And it lifts us up, Lord, and it just gives us an opportunity to rejoice and know that, that, that you've got great plans for us, for your plans are for good and not to hurt us. Lord, be with us this week as we go forward. Let us walk in your word. Let us hear a, a word from your Holy Spirit this week and come back next week with an awesome testimony of what you've done for us. Jesus, we love you. We give you thanks. We give you praise and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you all. Amen.